Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, I think it's recording. I see a I see a red glowy thing. It's recording. Hello, pod people, if that's your real name. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about your speakers. <laughs> I'm not sorry. All right, so uh, this we've got the full team today for the for the pep stuff. Um, so there's Mike, Ash, and Ashley. Uh, so I think the last podcast about uh, hi, yeah, hello. Uh, the last podcast about pep stuff we had Mike and Ash, but Ashley wasn't there because she was off, you know, gardening and things, doing her worky <laughs> job of CSA. Hi, Ashley. Hi. So. Let's try to pick up where we left off last time. We'll jump right into the BBs. Unless I don't think has anybody got anything they got to say before we get going. Oh God, no more what just one things. We made a whole podcast out of just one thing. That's true. <laughs> That's true. All right, next BB, and this is um, for the sand badge and animal care. And the ones we've already done is build a birdhouse for a specific species of bird, build a solitary bee uh, habitat. Um, uh, perform maintenance on solitary bee habitat and then make a uh, bee or insect and or insect watering station. Next uh, is relocate, relocating a yellow jacket nest. I love how ballsy this BB is. Especially, <laughs> have y'all watched the video of the lady just like taking down the nest and she's like, oh, they're biting me. Ha, huh, that's funny. <laughs> no. I, no, okay. you, yeah. Pod people, go to the BB, watch the video, then come back. Is that the – so I see the one that's my video, but you're saying – It's the, the middle one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one with the, the T-111 siding in it. Yeah, playing with wasps, nest relocation. And she's got one on her finger there, and uh, I don't know. I, I know that wasps and yellow jackets, they can bite and sting. Yes, they can. And it's the sting that's – so I know that uh, the other day I was standing outside and uh, I got stung and my my hand swole up. Like, mm-hmm. like I was beginning to worry, like, man, if this gets much more swollen, I might need to go to the hospital. Um, yeah. But fortunately, uh, everything is fine. It still hurts a little bit, but it's uh, it's way smaller now. All right. The moral stories – I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, there's yellow jackets there, or more often, like, I think a lot of us are like, yeah, you see a yellow jacket once in a while, who cares? And then uh, it's when you get stung that you're like, and now you fuckers die! Uh-huh. <laughs> that was definitely how I grew up. I grew up yeah. in the swamp down in Gulf Coast of Texas, and, you know, we have eight flavors of stinging wasp down there, and that's a mild exaggeration. But, yeah, I mean, I, what I grew up with was kill them all. Kill them all with fire and, you know, toxic gick. And and there is also, like, uh, um, you could put diatomaceous earth in your vacuum cleaner and then just vacuum them up. I, I've, you know, that seems like a, much better than, like, 
getting the poison. Right. Um, but... But yeah, right, but yeah, but, but they're but they're beneficial bugs. They're uh, they're beneficial. Yeah, yeah, broad they're spectrum a, predators. Right, right, and uh, somewhere I've got like a picture, maybe even a little video of like how I uh, uh, had a um, an earwig on me. It was like sitting on the bibs of my overalls, and it's like, why are you there? And while I'm staring at it, thinking like. Why is there an earwig on me? A yellow jacket landed and then just grabbed the earwig, picked it up, and just started going, munch, munch, crunch, crunch, munch, crunch, crunch. It's just holding it, and it's like it's, sitting, it's as if it's just sitting there eating a candy bar. <laughs> oh, you know what? I like this part the best. And just proceeded to eat the whole thing. And then, like, you know, after it was about half done eating it, it, it just flew away with the other half. And it's like, well, that's uh, that's one way to control your wigs. Nice. That's a but, huge selling feature right there because if yeah. people don't like yellow jackets, I'm pretty sure gardeners' relationships with earwigs is quite tumultuous. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of different insects that are a bother. And, um, and I... I don't know if I've ever – I've got two Yellow Jacket stories. I don't know if I've ever shared them in a podcast. Um, one of them was when I was living on Mount Spokane, and apparently they released – I don't know whether it was Yellow Jackets or it was uh, Yellow Jacket eggs or, or what, but the ground at our place was, was alive with, like, they – there, if you took a, a square foot, there'd be a hundred yellow jackets in a single square foot on the ground, just hovering an inch over the ground. Oh wow! Yeah, there were there were so many. It, it was I wouldn't say it was just millions, but potentially billions of yellow jackets in oh. this general area. But on my property, the the number was just insane, and so um, I set out a yellow. The lead up, oh, sorry. Was I set this out the lead a, up to the. Yellow jacket jerky. Exactly. So I've already mentioned this in a podcast, right? I think in a podcast or an article or somewhere. I maybe I've read it on one of your articles. I've seen it somewhere. Sorry, but the story is still good. And well, all right. So uh, first step I did was put out a, a yellow jacket trap. I got a bunch. I put them in the freezer, and then uh, I went outside and emptied it while while saying the magic words. Here, chick, 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 chick. And then 50 chickens came running because they were all um, outdoors. I was, I was doing truly free range at the time because they know whatever I'm about to throw out on the ground is candy. And so I threw this out on the ground and they ate it up. And then I did that like three more times. And then they started to figure out that the thing that they were eating was the same thing that was floating an inch off the ground everywhere. And and then within about a week, uh, there were no more yellow jackets floating off the ground, like within, I don't know, 150 to 200 feet, maybe even more, of um, of the house where the chickens kind of hung out. So they were eating all of them. Mm -hmm. So that. Um, and then, of course, I've got a, a lovely video where um, uh, Christy Nieto is talking about her yellow jackets and how um, 
she realized that they're eating a bunch of um, uh, problem species at at her place. Um, all right, I've got. I feel like I've got gobs of yellow jackets. The bottom line is, is that yes, they sting. Yes, that that that's quite a bother. And at the same time, it's like uh, um, we've when we have them right next to the house, or when we have them in a place yeah. that's not a great fit. Then what we do is, uh, and at dawn or before dawn, we pop out there and grab the nest and we relocate it to where it will be of greater value. And uh, you know, trying to keep it someplace dry and and the like. Um, so and it it works pretty effectively. Um, and man, I I hate getting stung. I do not want to get stung, but at the same time, this is a a part of our ecosystem. So the BB is for moving the nest. Um, and I would like to share an outburst example of getting stung. Uh, Paul, I was up at your place there a couple weeks ago now, um, and we were making jam outside in August in the afternoon. So as soon as as soon as one wasp came and figured out what was going on, he went and told his buddies that there's a party out by the garage. And so they all came, and they're all tasting and sampling jam and, you know, of course, having a sugar high. And I wasn't stung once from being out there. I think Jen and I were out there for, I don't know, three hours or so, uh, bought, you know, uh, jarring up the jam and canning and boiling and all that stuff. And neither of us got stung. And I just want to share the, you know, level one thing of, like, no, the stories are, the stories of being sung, the frequency is not what it's, you know, built up to be in our childhoods. Okay. I, you know, there's there's a lot more to say down this road, but I think that the, the important thing is, is that um, they are a part of our environment. They're part of our mm-hmm. ecosystem, and I kind of feel like if you move the nest maybe 80 feet away or 100 feet away, something like that, then they can still come and do their jobs, but then they're less threatened by you walking by their nest and, right. and things like that. So it seems like about... Or sitting under them in the willow in the willow bank. Uh, <laughs> right, sure. I think about half of the time, maybe more than half of the time that I've ever been stung, it's when I'm, like, too close to their nest. And mm-hmm. so let's just, you know, move their nest a little further away. All right. Anything more about that, BB? All right. Moving along. It's ballsy. I'd love to see somebody do it. Well, I'm going to do it. And I think, it's a, I think that's a good thing for vegans, too. And that's kind of where a lot of this is, is it's like we're going to and, and we're gonna move into our first uh, non-vegan BB. But now keep in mind, this is part of the Joel list, and you need to complete five of of the things off of this list, and uh, there's 48. 48. There's 48 items. So five out of these 48, so you have a lot of options. Um, in fact, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of cruise through the list as quickly as I can here. Um, the next BB we're gonna talk about is catch a, a honeybee swarm with a bait hive or a bait nuke, also called a swarm trap. Um, next BB, uh, rescue. A honeybee swarm. So this is where somebody's got a swarm in their tree or in their house or on their car, and you're going to show up and collect it and move it to a hive, an empty hive that you happen to have. Uh, Plant a three-season nectar harvest for pollinators. 
So um, uh, we'll come back to that one. But but still, it's like, you know, just plant those seeds so that there can be plenty of nectar for honeybees or other uh, wild pollinators. Build a ladybug house. Build a bat house. So these are two different BBs. I'm just going to cruise to the BB list here. Build an insect hotel. So it'll facilitate a lot of different kinds of insects. We've seen a lot of these lately. They're cool looking. And there's upsides and downsides. But but still, you know, build an insect hotel. Scythe and bale one bale of hay. Scythe and bale one bale of straw. Create a brush pile near a garden for animal insect diversity habitat. So, Ash, I think you did one of those, right? I did. Uh, that was the one BB for this badge that I did up at your place, and that wasn't even out of um, requirement so much as convenience that, in you know, with it, basically within arm's reach was enough uh, branches and twigs to make a five by five brush pile. And you know, when I was talking to Dave Hunter about solitary bee stuff, one of the ideas was to make a brush pile and then, like, let's see if we can get a bunch of um, reeds and teasel mm-hmm. and and different hollow things in there, which then will make up uh, for years. It'll it'll be a great place for solitary bees to um, reproduce. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, he said that he said to do that even before like getting a bespoke mason bee house. Right, if I remember I mean, correctly. Because his first thing was stop, you spray your neighbor, and then he said just make a brush pile. Yeah, brush piles are just. I mean, so often our gardens are all about like, how do I make this look sterile and everything's in rows and stuff like that, and then then suddenly, why do I have so many insect problems? Why do I have so many problems with all these other things? And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you need to you need to bring, and I like the way that Alan Booker says it. You need to bring some of your zone five into your zone one. Cool. And and so he's basically thinking every brush pile is a little bit of zone five. I kind of love the way he does it. All right. Man, I need to get up there for that PDC. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it, Paul. The 2021 PDC has been announced. It's, uh, I know. It's I saw. now for sale. Um, I saw. I'm waiting to see if the, uh, the Kickstarter uh, giveaway tickets, um, how that shakes out. Oh. Oh. Um... Because I know oh, the yeah, I um, haven't I haven't done I know it the yet. early bird I know That's the early bird point. for PDC is still the end of September. Okay, all right, all right. I, I need to get those given out, and then we need to write. Okay, um, let's see. Create six different toad habitats. Uh, plant sixty mulberry tree seeds. Um, okay, so. You, I know you guys know this. You know why mulberry is is about is in the animal care badge. Uh, your story about it's your uncle, right? Or it was oh. your uncle, right, who had the the tr- the mulberry tree, and the birds would just come and destroy it. He did not have a mulberry tree. Oh, right. He needed a mulberry tree. That's it. Yeah. That's what it the is. The birds would just come and obliterate all of his other fruit trees. 
But if he had a mulberry tree, I think the birds would obliterate what's on the mulberry tree and leave his other trees alone. At the same time, a mulberry tree just makes excellent animal food. Uh, it just it just pumps out food for animals for three months. And the deer love to eat it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there's a parade of things that love to eat it, including the animals that you're raising, as mm-hmm. well as uh, the wild animals that want to eat your things that you like better. Yeah. Uh, next, BB, create snake and lizard habitat. Uh, next one is create a live mousetrap. Very good for vegans. Um. Create at least a pint of Holzer bone sauce. So I don't think the vegans will do this one. Um, <laughs> but actually, I know that, like, Fred, when he cuts his own hair, he saves the hair, and then he puts it on the, the trees that he wants the deer to not eat. And apparently yeah. it's been very effective. Huh. Um, maybe we need to add a BB for that. But. Uh, the Holzer sauce, the Holzer bone sauce, is something that's gonna um, uh, you're gonna you're gonna make some of this. It's gonna be a way of processing bones uh, using cast iron pots and then and fire for 24 hours. And then uh, the the goo that you get out of the end of it, you put a, you put it on trees in a particular way, and then um, it lasts 10 years. It, the animals won't touch it. Uh, share appropriate kitchen scraps. And so this is going to be uh, basically taking saving kitchen scraps for your chickens and putting out for your chickens. I usually feel like you've got to have at least, if you're going to do this, at least two buckets, one for the chickens and one for, like, composting, or one for chickens, one for pigs, and one for composting. Although I think mm-hmm. you've got one for chickens, one for pigs. I think they're covered. Then you just, yeah. Um, Milk a cow or goat or sheep, one gallon for cows, one quart for others. That one seems like your more traditional animal care BB kind of thing. Plant seeds for hummingbirds. So you're going to grow certain species that attract hummingbirds. And I understand in certain parts of the country they just don't have any, which is weird to me because we have like, I don't know, five or six different kinds of hummingbirds. I thought I heard somewhere that the most... Uh, varieties of hummingbirds in the United States is in Montana. Mm-hmm. Like, we're the hummingbird capital of the United States. I thought I heard that could be wrong, um, but it does seem like, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of hummingbirds. I mean, there's a lot, like restaurants you can go to where they put up all those hummingbirds yeah, the feeders out. full yeah. of sugar, which, you know, there's all kinds of debate about what you should and should not put in there. And, of course, the best thing for them is the actual plants. But, you know, you'll be eating and there'll be like, you know, eight hummingbirds fighting over a feeder and there's a feeder every three feet. It's and dinner it's, theater. It's just like an infestation of hummingbirds. <laughs> uh, put out some winter straw to help the animals stay warm. A, uh, a BB4, a fecal parasite test. Uh, you you kind of that's an important one. You gotta you gotta kind of know how we're doing in the parasite department. Um, uh, a general sheep health check. Uh, training animals for goodies. And so earlier I mentioned the magic words 
here, chick, 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 chick. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think for every animal that you're keeping, it's good to do that and a different sound for each animal um, because there always gets to be a point in time when it's like, you know, now is that once every six to 12 months that it's like I very much, like the animals have got out, they're over there. I want them to come over here instead of me spending the next three days chasing them all over the, the, the mountainside. And so the, all these magic words pay off, and it's like, okay, the chickens got out. I have repaired the thing. I need them to get back in, and so I say the magic words. Here, chick, 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 and they all come running, and they pour in right where I want them, and I close the gate. And, of course, you know, but the rest of the time I'm putting out treats for them every time I say it. And it makes you feel all powerful. It, there's a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> mostly I'm just thinking, like, uh, I do it for the cats, the little kittens that are here. Uh, and I'm yeah. just thinking, like, if I ever see them in the road, I can say the magic words to get them out of the road. Mm. Other, you know, like. Like somehow they followed me down to the mailbox or something, and then and then here comes a car, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it! All right, uh, cleaning an animal shelter, so also known as mucking it out. Uh, uh, for chickens, cleaning out at least four nesting boxes. So those nesting boxes do, in time, get funky. Oh yes. <laughs> Uh, growing sprouts as a winter chicken feed. Remove algae from a trout pond. Add aeration strategy to a trout pond. Stock a trout pond with trout. Move animals to a new paddock. Collect 12 eggs from your fowl. Food, water, egg, safety check for your fowl. Food, water, safety check for your four-legged livestock. Create dragonfly habitat. There's another good vegan one. Mm -hmm. Create frog habitat. Manage breeding and support farm cat resulting in at least six kittens. Points are awarded when kittens are one week old. Chicken, slaughter and clean. Duck, slaughter and clean. Turkey, slaughter and clean. Guinea fowl, slaughter and clean. Quail, slaughter and clean. Pigeon, slaughter and clean. Goose, slaughter and clean. Rabbit, slaughter and clean. And finally, the last baby, guinea pig, slaughter and clean. That's it. Those are all the BBs. <clears throat> all right. Next, we're gonna we're gonna explore the BB um, catch a honeybee swarm with a bait hive. Uh, so have you guys seen these things? It's kind of like a it's like a little a uh, little box. That you hang up. I, Not in I, person, just in the thread. All right. I mean, there's some different things, but, you know, it's also sometimes called um, uh, a nuke. Oh, okay. Um, and so you're going to um, uh, put a, put basically a swarm trap up 
It's something, and then you're going to put stuff in the swarm trap, um, usually a, a little bit of honeycomb uh, and possibly um, some lemongrass. And mm. then what happens is is that a lot of times uh, there will be a swarm, and then the, the swarm will kind of be sending uh, scouts out to try and find a place for the swarm to move to. And then, you know, if you're, like, within a mile of a swarm, hopefully your um, uh, trap, your your swarm trap, will um, seem like the best place. And then you, you go and you check them periodically, and then, uh, look at that, there's a swarm in there. How awesome. And then, um, I mean, you, you need to, of course, to complete the BB, you need to get it into your hive. Mm-hmm. And so into your you know final destination hive, whatever whatever kind of hive you you're going with. So um, uh, this is so as opposed to the other BB, which is about rescuing a swarm. This one's about um, uh, baiting a swarm. So for example, uh. A few years ago, I think it was when Fred had been here only for uh, a few weeks, then he saw that our hive had uh, a beard. And so this is the swarm moving out. And then he saw that the swarm was in uh, a nearby tree. And, And he's like, you know, can we convince it to get into another hive? And it's like we had an empty hive sitting next to the hive that they just came out of. But generally, uh, when they go to a new location, they want to be several hundred feet away from where they just came from. And so um, he did set up a hive, and he tried to get it to be a little ways away, but it wasn't far enough. They didn't. They didn't take it. That's part of it too. They'll. They're. They're going to go to their own new place. But it does. The big thing is, is that um, if a um, a hive, if a colony does so well um, in a hive in here in Montana, let's say, then they'll swarm. This is like the ultimate expression of like, wow, you are awesome at uh, uh, collaborating with honeybees. You're just amazing. And and so here's the ultimate the ultimate proof is the swarm, and it's kind of like, but now, see, this particular, um, let's call them breed, this particular breed of honeybee, whatever it is, does really well in this climate. And this is this is um, genetics that are, that are keyed into your climate. So this is like, this is the best. This is, this is probably 50 times better than buying a colony that was bred somewhere far, far away and, and might even be with Africanized bees, which, you know, we don't want those. So these are the very best honeybees for your area. And so the, the, the traps are an excellent way to go. Or, and now I'm going to move on to the next BB, which is going to be to rescue a honeybee swarm. Now, most areas have... Uh, a collection of beekeepers that um, they have like a, a phone number that that you can uh, 
a call, like, oh, no, I've got this fee trouble. So a lot of times, so some, some, um, sometimes people will call, like, some sort of pest control or something, and then they'll be kind enough to, to turn a swarm over to a beekeeper. But um, I think that uh, uh, most of the time they're going to charge for coming out and getting rid of this pest for you. But there's also phone numbers for, like, if you see a swarm. So, like, the um, I, think, I think most of your um, extension offices will have a phone number that you can call. So, like, if you see a swarm, you can call this phone number, and a beekeeper will come and collect the swarm gladly at hmm. no cost. Cool. Um, and so, you know, be on that list. Ah, there it is. And so a lot of times you can, you know, call that phone number and say, I want to be on the list. I would, I am glad to go out and do it or somehow be involved in all of that. But um, it's a pretty simple process. You'll get there and there'll be a swarm and you can, um, you can collect them and um, put them in a cardboard box, take them home and basically pour them into your hive. And um, there's a chance that they'll be like, this place sucks and leave, but most of the time they stick around. No problem. Hmm. Okay. Uh, plant a three-season nectar harvest for pollinators. Okay. So um, this is this one's a little bit odd. I'm like because with all the BBs, you need to provide proof that you did it, mm-hmm. and so. All right, to complete this BB, the minimum requirements are you must plant at least 12 species of flowering plants. At least two species must bloom in spring, two in summer, and two in fall to give a three-season planting. You must plant at least 200 seeds to show that you've completed this batch, but you must post a list of the 12 species of flowering plants you are planting and mention when they bloom. Post a picture that obviously has 200 or more seeds. Post a short video. It must be less than two minutes because you're going to speed it up, showing these 200 seeds being planted. So this is one of the few, few BBs that require video. <clears throat> and, the, and it's going to be like, here's me planting these seeds. And then you're going to take that video and you're going to speed it up. So that way um, it's easy to validate. I mean, basically it's kind of like the people that are currently doing the validation, they don't want to watch a two-hour video of you planting 200 seeds, um, but they are willing to you know, watch something that's two minutes to verify that, that you've done this BB. So um, that's, I mean, I think I think that there's a, a, a lot of concern over honeybees having to go, like, it's like, uh, I, I know that there's a lot of this. Having to of, forage too far. Yeah. Let's put 30 hives right all in one place. And I'm sure we've all seen this. Yeah where you drive by someplace and you can see 20, 30, or even more hives all in one place, and it's like, don't worry. They can go up to five miles to get food. And it's like, yeah, but that's putting a lot of stress yeah. 
That's stressing the, the bees. Now, in order for the bees to stay really close, so the closer they get their food, the less stress they have, the more likely they are to swarm. And so I believe that in order, uh, in order for them to get everything local, I think that they need two acres per colony of, like, just massive amounts of um, nectar, just massive amounts of, of flowering plants will provide it. And there are some plants that provide a lot more uh, nectar or a, or, or a longer season, like they'll provide three months of awesome nectar, whereas others it's going to be like, I'm going to bloom for two days, and that's it. That's all I give you. So um, the, the key is, is like, let's, let's put on a good three-season uh, nectar source. And now I, I think one of the, the questions um, that's going to be right here is, is as we're approaching fall, what what is a fall bloom? What's what blooms in the fall that provides a, a big nectar source? And I know here I don't know who planted sedum in our berms here, but we have hmm. like eight massive sedum plants, and um, for a good month and a half in the fall, including kind of getting late into the fall, like we've gone through a few frosts. Um, these are just covered in every kind of pollinator, including honeybees. So um, they're, a, they're a massive nectar source for uh, a lot of, a lot of um, pollinators. Yeah, I've had good luck in the fall with letting some broccoli go to seed, and those flowers hold strong through the frost and are covered with bees. And sunflowers are another a good late, late one. The pollinator seed BB, to me, uh, is the first in the list. I know I mentioned it in the previous podcast, but the sand badge has a path for rookies, too. And this BB especially seems to me like it's one of the first kind of rookie-accessible BBs. Like, it, it's plant seeds. Go plant seeds. And at, at that point, then you're beginning to kind of interact with the other, with the animals that you already have um, if you don't already have animals. Um, I know for me it was a, it was an easy, nice and easy kind of introduction to the animal care of like, just, just plant some seeds. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I remember years ago, it must have been like eight or nine years ago, um, I, uh, this guy who apparently got a gold medal in the Winter Olympics and who lived in Missoula, um, all I remember is his name was Eric. I'm sure there's a bunch of people right now groaning that I can't remember. <laughs> or Googling. More than that, yeah. Um, but uh, he asked me to come to his place and give him advice on, um, you know, permaculture for his property. And his strategy was kind of interesting. He's kind of like... Um, uh, because I was kind of like, well, if you don't put up a fence, you, you know, the deer are just going to eat everything you do. And he's like, that's totally excellent. Because um, basically what he, what he wanted was to just feel safer. Huh. Like, 
like and and I love I love the whole zombie apocalypse thing um, mm. where people talk about that because it's like it's it's about a bit of comedy combined with like being prepared in a bunch of different ways. So preparation, you know, like like you know, you start thinking about like oh no, uh, the financial junk all just collapsed or sure. Oh no! All different flavors of doomsday. Yeah, nuclear war. You know, and and all those kinds of things. And he's kind of like, um, and and rather than and some people like they start worrying about this stuff and they kind of start to go a little crazy, and um, and if you start thinking about this stuff, I mean, boy, it can really you know drive who you are, who you. It can get you. Yeah, it can bite you. So. His thing was, is like, look, I, I, I just want to, I, I wish to gr- grow things in my yard. And he had a pretty big yard. It was pretty huge. He was like, I, I just want to grow things here in such a way that all that stuff becomes smaller. Because I'm starting to kind of get a little crazy. And I just want it to be smaller. And his general strategy was, is that it's like, Grow all the gardens with all the food, and if I beat the deer and I get to it before the deer, that's great. And if I don't, that's great too. Because if the zombie apocalypse happens, and I'm just going to say zombie apocalypse because it's, if it happens, then um, a I've got some easy venison. Uh huh. Yeah. And and b uh, um, now I can do something to try and minimize the damage by the deer because everything's already growing. That part's right. already done. And so I, I kind of feel like the, the primary function is to just kind of get all those scary thoughts to become smaller and, and <laughs> less of a driving force in your life. And, and so I, I thought it was, I thought that was a rather brilliant approach He's totally comfortable, you know, like, oh, look, a, there's a bunch of raspberries out in my yard now. I'll go, I'll go have some. And then all these other animals are, are eating it. And it's like, that's fine. And then, look, there's deer in the yard. That's beautiful. I love seeing the deer in the yard. And they come and they eat all the other things we're growing. And it's like, fine, whatever. And then um, knowing that it's like, you know, should the day come, he's got, Plan B, Plan C, and Plan D ready to go, and so um, uh, he will he will do better. Might not you know there'll be a lot of people out there talking about like how that's not going to be enough or whatever. But that's you know he he doesn't have twenty acres. He has like less than half an acre, maybe half an acre. And it's like so, and he doesn't need perfect. He just needs better. He just needs to. He just needs to know within himself that he's that it's that it's going to be, um, yeah, it's, it's going to help. And now, and now he can breathe easier, and now he can focus on other things in his life. All right, it all comes back to planting a few seeds. Yep. And so that's that's what that BB is about, and it's possible. And the BB is also about planting the seeds. It's not about like. Did they germinate? Did they grow into something? Did they, did they actually provide the nectar? That's yeah, that's gonna, later. That's going to get into later badges. 
And so, but this is just like, did you, did you try? Did you just plant some seeds? All right. Next, BB. Uh, build a ladybug house. And I have a podcast um, from eight years ago mm-hmm. where I visited uh, Jacqueline and Joseph Freeman. And um, and I talked about their magical property. And one of the things is is that the very first time I stepped onto their property, it was for a sepulcher event, and I was going to sleep over at their house. They had they had you know said we'll host some people that are coming to this event. So I was like, oh cool. And I, I don't know, you had to pay some amount like fifty bucks or something. I can't remember what it was. But when I arrived, they said, okay, you have your choice. You can either sleep in a house or in a room that's heated and it'll be warm and it's a normal room. Or you can sleep in the ladybug room. Well, what does that mean? And so <laughs> the ladybug room is 50 degrees, so it's pretty cold. And they, they keep it cold for the ladybugs that are, that are overwintering. Because this was like in... Um, I don't remember. I think it was like uh, February or March or something like that. And so it was pretty early in the year. And they're, of course, um, kind of near Portland, Oregon. So it's not like deep winter like it is in Montana, but it's, it's it gets cold. And anyway, uh, so we go into this room where it's 50 degrees, and in the corner there's this kind of towel hanging up. And she pulls back the towel, and there's, like, 500 ladybugs. And then she puts the towel back, and she says, the wall, the wall, you know, there's the wall that we can see, and we can see a few ladybugs, but what you can't see is there's probably a few million in the wall. Inside the wall, yeah. From the second floor all the way down to the first floor, and this is where they live every winter. And then they, they'll they all, you know, when it gets warm enough, they will all fly away. So this is the ladybug room because there's a way for them, a, a crack in the wall happened or something, and they kind of come out a little bit into this room. So, of course, I had to sleep in the ladybug room. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's where I'm staying. But, you know, their whole house has this kind of, you know, magic to it, this whole this whole Disney princess magic to it. Oh, yeah, the way you described it being so full of life and so full of so many different kinds of life. It sounded otherworldly. Right. I, and see, that's, you know, go back and listen to that podcast. There's a full podcast just about their magical home, and there's all these other things that go on there. And it's like it's it's... A fun thing. But all right, build a ladybug house. It's it's you know, you need a you need exact plans. It needs to be done a very particular way for this to, to ever work. And you might never get ladybugs. May you know. But um this is this is what will work and then um uh, uh you can try and and then you've got it. Uh so it's great a great project and it's just building the ladybug house. All right. Today we only had a limited amount of time before we had to run away, uh, and we thought let's just squeeze in what we can for this podcast, and then we'll we'll keep plowing uh, through this list 
in the next podcast and on to the other badges. But for now, do you guys have anything else you want to add to this podcast right now? That silence means no. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, animal care is awesome. There. I know you guys are all going to be here for the BB20 event that's coming up soon. We are. I'm excited about that. We've got we've got several people that have reached BB20, and they said that they're going to be here. And um, I know that, Ash, you have a list of, like, the 20 easiest BBs to, to, to do so you can come to this free event. Uh, yeah, there's awesome. a list, and there's a poll, too. Uh, there's a poll for people to vote. And so if you're wondering, if you have, like, BB10 or whatever, and you want to get to come to – the free event at Wheaton Labs this October. The there's a poll where people have voted as to what they think the easiest BBs are. So maybe you can go uh, fish for ten easy more, and you can get to BB twenty, and come to the free event. All right. Uh, uh, anything else to add at this time, guys? Nothing. No. Okay. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about. Skills to Inherit Property, Homesteading, and Permaculture all the time. All the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.